As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, it's Arthur Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Sadly, wrapping up an incredible run this season and wrapping up um, our first official season with AJ Maletsko as our co-host. AJ, how you doing? I'm good, Arthur. I can't believe that we're wrapping up the first season together as co-hosts of this podcast. Thanks for having me. I know. It's been amazing. And also, congratulations. Today, uh, ESPN announced AJ will be part of their NHL group going forward. So more kudos to you, more time to see you on the TV, which is always good, and uh, more time for the Islanders to get some airtime nationally. So I think all the Islander fans are happy that you'll be you'll be in the mix at ESPN to to represent the Islanders a little bit. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, exciting. It's been it was a little little strange early on, you know, what that May, what was it, end of April, beginning of May, when that sort of took everybody by surprise when NBC didn't get the second. Uh, second half of that Turner came in and it was a little bit of a scramble for for many people I think so I'm I'm happy to be a part of the ESPN team and it's sort of crazy though because it comes out now when we're in the Stanley Cup final but it just makes me excited for next season which is a little strange because we should try to enjoy the offseason right we should it's going to be short um, Islander fans not used to a short offseason so uh, second year in a row that that's happening and um Game seven, which uh, is still, you know, only four days old. We're into the finals now with the Lightning and the, and the Canadians. But, um, you know, we had uh, kind of the wrap up 48 hours with the Islanders players, with Barry Trotz, with Lou Amarillo today on a conference call. And nobody's really over it. And uh, a lot of Islander fans I talked to are not really over it. And it just in the wake of a game seven that really was basically a coin flip type game, um, how can you kind of look back on that game and the Islanders run now with a few days uh, to be able to, to kind of look, look back and review it? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that we're not over it, that the players aren't over it. The management's not over it, the coaching staff and then fans and you and I that work covering this team, because um, it, well, it would be disappointing if people were over it this quickly. Um, in my opinion, it was, you know, looking back on it, a couple days removed. Um, it's just, it, well, it's hard for me right now. I keep thinking, oh, we could be, you know, yesterday I kept thinking could be, could be game one. I mean, it was game one, but it could be game one for the Islanders. Um, and so looking back on it, I did like what Barry Trotz had to say when he was talking about the frustration and, you know, all the stuff that we expect. But then he said, you know, only one team ends the season happy. 
And when he said that there are only two teams in the whole NHL that wouldn't want to be the New York Islanders um, in their position, going to game seven in the East, or I was about to say the Eastern Conference final in the semifinals, uh, semifinal round leading up to the Stanley Cup uh, final. And, you know, I think that that's a good way to look at it. That doesn't minimize the sting at all that the team got as close as they did. And one step closer even than last year where they lost in this game six of the Eastern conference final. So, um, you know, it's a little, it stings. It it does feel like it stings a little bit more this year based on the fact that they lost to the same team in the same round. uh, And they were so close. And as you said, a coin flip type game, one, nothing, a little bit of salt and wounds that it was a shorthanded goal. Um, But, you know, overall, I think that big picture, there's a lot, for this team and this fan base to be proud of. I mean, you know, you, you just mentioned the Islanders getting on the national stage, whether it was, you know, last couple of years with NBC, a lot of gripes about how the Isles didn't get national coverage. Uh, how about the Coliseum and the fan base just took the national media by storm. I mean, all, like my colleagues at NBC, so many people were texting me and Coliseum's crazy. The Coliseum's great. Tell, um, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> and it's so great that everybody finally sort of understood it and either felt it or, you know, I know Catherine Tapp and Liam McHugh, they both went and experienced it themselves during the last couple rounds and were just blown away by it. So, you know, I think that there's some, there's a lot of good that came out of this season. There's a lot to be proud of, but it does not make lo- losing your last game of the season is never easy. Yeah, it was uh, it was a heartbreaker. You know, there's really no other way to put it. Watching that game as it unfolded, nothing, nothing after a, a you know a first period that Tampa definitely controlled, but you definitely got the sense of I've seen this game from the Islanders before, where they hang around, where where whether it's Semyon Varlamov who was lights out in that game keeps them in it or keeps them level. They make a couple big shot blocks, which they had on, you know, in that first period and in the beginning part of the second, and then they just wait for their opportunity and, you know, try to break through and, and even falling behind by a goal. You just sort of felt like I've seen this movie a dozen times already in the last month. And even going back to, to the 2020 playoffs where they're, you know, the Islanders are maybe a little bit more dominating in some of their performances in, in the postseason than they were this time around. They just, they're never out of it. And uh, even to the last whistle, you you know, to the last horn, you kind of felt like, when's this goal going to come? When are they going to get it to overtime? And and uh, the fact that it didn't come, I think, was surprising to me. And you could tell in the reactions of the guys uh, on the post game, especially a guy like Matthew Barzell, who was, you know, he was choked up. He was crying. It was, it was emotional for him to not have come through. And, um, you know, I think that that part maybe surprised some people. But if you've been watching this team for a long time, you knew that they were the ones that believed before quite literally anybody else believed in them. Yeah. And, and you know, to me, that's um, the emotional side of it. I mean, you you know, you started this conversation by saying that they, um, you know, nobody's over it. And, and that's exactly that's a great point, because you look at Matt Barzell, who's who has become the face of this franchise. And he is, you know, he's the fact that he was so emotional was fighting back tears. And at some point wasn't even fighting back the tears. They were so close. I mean, the Stanley cup is one of, if not the hardest trophy to win in sports, just based on the grueling nature of the playoffs and, you know, how four rounds of seven games, uh, uh, four, you know, best of seven series and to come this close and to know that they had such a good group and to, to know that they did it without their captain. I mean, Andrews Lee going down in March, 
that was a huge blow. And I'm not sure people expected them to do half as well as they did without Anders Lee in the lineup and a lot of shifting great, you know, kudos to the coaching staff for what they were able to do. Kudos to the management for bringing in um, who they did bring in. And, and Palmieri and Zajac were, were good additions, especially to the playoff run. Um, but it is, you know, you look at the way that they fought and they clawed and they stayed in it. And I don't know if you saw John Cooper's quote, but he talked about the Islanders were as good a team as they played and, you know, a lot of Islanders fans are not, they don't like John Cooper because, uh, <laughs> and I actually do, I will, I'll throw that out there. He is very, very good to us in the media. And I've covered his games when they're playing the Islanders, when they're not playing the Islanders. I really like him. I think he's a phenomenal coach. Um, he gives us a ton, a ton of time. He's very friendly. He's very warm. And, but I understand why uh, opposing teams don't like him because in his post-game press, press conference, he can come off a little smug and it's always about his team, whether they won or lost it, as opposed to what the other team did. And he really, so that means even more that he gave the Islanders props, basically saying that how good they are, as opposed to, oh, we just didn't play well or this or all about the lightning. He was, he understands what a phenomenal team they are, um, how skilled they are and how, how hard they fight. I mean, they, they've kept that blue collar mentality. That's become the sort of the, the hallmark of Islander style hockey, but they've also been able to add speed and skill and scoring. Uh, and of course, tremendous goaltending. So um, I, again, a lot to be proud of, but it's just, it's just so sad because they, they deserved, they just, they, you know, they really, they, their goal was to win the cup and they got so close. Is there one, one thing that you can say, was maybe lacking in that series. I mean, it, it's, you know, I think when we were talking to Barry on Sunday, obviously Oliver Wallstrom's name came up. He was healthy throughout that whole series, but basically a healthy scratch. Um, Barry Trotz opted for Travis Ajak for an, any number of reasons, mainly I think because JG Pajot was playing the whole series pretty compromised that, you know, I'd found out that there were a few injuries that were bothering him. And Lula Amarillo said today that Pajot had hand surgery uh, should be ready for training camp, but uh, but he was clearly not the JG Pajot that he'd been in the first two rounds. So I think Barry was definitely opting for caution with having a, a more veteran, defensively responsible guy like Travis Ajak on that line rather than Wallstrom's explosiveness and, and more offensive style. Um, and as Barry pointed out, if they had won one nothing, I don't know if there's a lot of questions about do you need more offense? So <laughs> I, I get that. However, um, they do fall short two years in a row to the same team. And it does beg the question, is there a way for this team to get over the hump? And you mentioned Anders Lee, obviously a huge absence. And you can think back to last season when they didn't have Casey Zizekas for most of that series. And then Adam Pollock missed game six. Um, You know, injuries are definitely going to happen. And as you also correctly pointed out, I don't think a lot of people thought without Anders Lee that this team could get this far, but is there a thing that, that the Islanders need to be able to become, uh, you know, the, the team that gets out of the East or out of the semifinals and is able to compete for a Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned a lot of them. I think that when it comes down to the playoffs and these razor thin margins that games are won and lost on, it's it's bounces too. I mean, you do have to have some element of luck, and I know that's not what people want to hear because, or certainly general managers don't want to hear because they want to be able to fix it. What are we missing? Where, you know, what holes are there? What can we do to make our team better? How can we make the final next year? And, you know, that was their goal from this past, from 2020. 
making the Eastern Conference final, taking the eventual winner, Tampa Bay Lightning, to game six, and then this year sort of doing it all over again and, and bumping into game seven, but not getting to the ultimate goal. So, you know, I do think that uh, Anders Lee would have made a huge difference on their power play, uh, and I think that was something that was missing. Um, I think the guys, the personnel that Trotz had out there did everything they could, and uh, they were really, really great. But I just think having the size, the grit um, – and the hands, that combination in that net front position is, is, um, is really valuable. Um, and I think Lee is very good at, at puck retrieval too, when the puck goes in the corner and he uses his size along the boards. Um, so I think that w- would have made a difference. Um, and you mentioned Pajot. I think he's a gamer, right? I mean, you look at what he did in the bubble playoff hockey uh, playoff run. So he, him being injured certainly hurt a little bit for the team. You could, you, we all, we all knew it. We didn't know what it was. And, you know, of course, then we hear he has surgery. So, um, you know, I think that um, maybe defensively um, they need a little bit more. De- you know, you look at what happened. You've got Pollock and Pollock who are as good shut down as you see in this league. Right. And then the Letty Mayfield pairing, I thought, did step up at times. And they both I mean, I thought Mayfield had a really overall a very good playoff run from start to finish. Um, and you know, Dobson got some much needed experience. I think green does exactly what's expected of him. I think they need a little more offense from their back end. If you look at most of these teams that make long runs, they do get goals from their defense. Right. And you look at Hedman and, and even, you know, Sergachev and, and McDonough, those guys are chipping in. Um, so that might be something that they look into, but uh, you know, all in when you lose game seven, one, nothing in uh, to me, is it, is it personnel? Is it pieces of the puzzle? Or is it just the hockey gods? Is it just a bounce, a luck, and something that you need to go? They need to go back and you know look at it and say we were that close, and we're going to do it again next year, and we're going to get the bounce our way. So, I, you know, that's a tough one to to consider to say that they're missing anything um, egregious, any g- giant gaping hole. To me, is completely false. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, we can certainly say that there was nothing missing from the end of game six. And I just have to start it off by saying, AJ, I'm sorry you weren't there. Because if that was the last game that was ever, last Islander game ever played in Nassau Coliseum, and it seems like it is since Lou Lamarillo had his conference call today and said preseason games next season will be in Bridgeport. That's the plan right now. And the Islanders are going to start the season on a on a lengthy road trip, I think. Probably you'd think a Western Canada trip or California, West Coast four or five games, come back, play some teams locally so guys can sleep in their own beds. And then, you know, by that time, whether it's seven or eight or even nine games uh, on the road, they'll be able to open UBS Arena. So 
we may have seen the last game in Nassau Coliseum. It certainly was the last playoff game in Nassau Coliseum, but boy, was it amazing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the beer can shower wasn't the most popular thing to discuss afterwards after Anthony Beauvillier's uh, overtime goal. But the atmosphere was, was second to none. And I know we talked about some of our memories of the Coliseum on the last show, but that was before game six. And I'm sure watching it on TV, uh, you you got pretty, you know, the hairs on your on your arms were standing up, seeing how the fan, you know, the, the team got back into a game that they could have just rolled over down to nothing, got back into it and then won it in dramatic fashion. Yeah, you know, I was... I was so sad I wasn't there, even for the earlier games um, through that run, you know, and understandably, right, once the MSG did everything from their studios in Manhattan and um, a lot well, for me, I was, I, mean, I was in my basement studio that MSG has set up for me. Um, and even so, I definitely got a sense of it. And as I mentioned earlier, some of my NBC colleagues on their nights off went to the games just to experience it because it had sort of become created this, um, had gotten, a I don't know, an aura of just incredulity. What's the word? Incredulity? I don't know. You're the wordsmith. You tell me what I'm what I'm missing here. But I think incredulity is what you're looking for. That's good. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Um, I, I've been off for a week or so now, so I don't I don't talk for a living anymore. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm having a little tough time. All I'm doing is talking to my kids. Anyway, um, it, it, you know, you look at what the atmosphere, what was going on there, the fact that the team rallied and won in the fashion that they did. Um, it was such a perfect send off for that building. And obviously it would be better if there was a final round there now. Um, but the fact that that was good, that is, well, that you keep saying if, and allegedly, because we've all, we've been there before we've seen everybody say goodbye to the Coliseum and we've come back to it. So it really truly feels like this is goodbye this time. Um, and if it is, that was, that was a perfect send off. And the, the number of videos I saw from that, and it did come through on TV. I thought that, um, the camera work, uh, from NBC was, was really good. Obviously it's better when you're there. Um, and I remember the last game that I did watch there, um, Shannon and I were out there and even that was loud and it wasn't full then, right. It was yeah. through the playoffs. It got more and more full, more fans there, louder, uh, weather got nicer. So the tailgate scene got more robust. So all sorts of things played into it. And then the team performed on the ice. So, you know, to me, that is a lasting memory. And that, that is a real reward for the team for fighting as hard as they did. And the team gave the fans a real reward for their energy and what their, um, and what they brought that six man mentality of, of energy. So, you know, I think that that's something to be, uh, the fans should be really proud of because it's, it really is second to none. And I love, by the way, that Belmont, they're building the ceilings low. So they'll have the same sense of the Coliseum. Obviously nothing can really replicate that, but I also think Belmont is going to be so beautiful that as much as we can wax poetic about the Coliseum, it's also had its day and it's done. So the Bel Belmont is going to be beautiful. Yeah. It sort of felt to me like, um, like the house you live in, uh, in college and, uh, you know, you're not going back in May. So you just have the, the big rager and just leave it a mess when you're done because you know, you're never going to see it again. And it sort of had that feel of like it, it, it encapsulated the, you know, it's a dump, but it's our dump, um, attitude of a lot of Islander fans that they know that, the, that the place is a mess and wasn't always up to snuff, but it was the place that they went. It was close by to their houses. They hung out in the parking lot for years and years and years um, and sort of a 
uh, I think one of the players described it to me as like dumb but fitting. The the beer can <laughs> shower at the end that like it was a little silly. I'm sure the players on the ice were like, uh, "You're throwing you're throwing stuff at us. We we're your guys. Uh, what are you doing?" <laughs> but also just kind of like, eh, you know, I think Matthew Barzell sometimes is like it was a little dangerous, but we embrace it. You know, that, that's our fans, and um, you know, it it's it somehow felt right, uh, which is a weird way to put it when you trash your building at the end but uh but it did kind of well, feel right i think it, it, well and you it's your point it's like i would expect that if the if the islanders lost yeah right? it was the and exact so same it would have been the exact same reaction <laughs> win or lose <laughs> right so the celebratory trashing of the ice and the, it was it was bizarre but i also loved i mean barzell said that and then bovillier uh what did he say at the beginning of say, overtime, it smelled like, like cigarettes <laughs> and then it smelled like beer yeah <laughs> it was perfect yeah, that should be that should be on the Coliseum epitaph right there. And and you know, <laughs> just to kind of spin it forward, I I thought you know Cal Clutterbuck, who always has been able to take the temperature of his team and the and the and the fans and everybody pretty well for over the years that he's been here, um, he kind of rightly pointed out, you know, like it's it's a great building, but it's a building, and the the reason that it's so legendary is because of the people who fill it, and um, you know. He's lived around them for a long time. A lot of these guys who have been here a long time have. And um, I think that was the most enjoyable part for for them was that the people aren't going to change. You know, the people and, and I think quite literally for the most part, because these were season ticket holders. These are people, the people that got the chance to get these tickets for uh, the playoff games in the Coliseum are the ones that already have season tickets uh, to UBS Arena. So whether it was them or a family member or whoever. You're still going to see them in the new building. It's not going to be the kind of place where you want to be throwing beers on the ice because it's too nice and too new, but um, it's going to be the same energy, I think. And I don't think that's something that's ever going to change with Islander fans. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think that it's um, it's deserving of the fan base and the and the players that they will get this nice new building. And, and um, have you had a tour of it, by the way? I did. I did. I went when uh, when Gary Bettman was there uh, a few weeks ago, and and it certainly you know the all the different touches. Just hit listening to to John Ledecky and and Tim Lightwicky, the the Oakview Group CEO, who's kind of the one that's overseeing the building, talking about all the little touches. You know, walking through, um, seeing the locker room kind of in its in its infancy stage right now, and all the all the different the warren of rooms back there. You know, specialty rooms for the for the players and the coaches and the staff and uh, access to certain points and, and even up, uh, you know, up where in the nosebleed area where, where I'll be sitting, uh, closer to the roof. Um, it's still not going to be a bad view. And I think, um, you know, the amenities for the fans, whether it's the, you know, one end has going to have an open area with a big bar, um, kind of like what they have in the garden and a little bit of what they had in Barclays, just one end to kind of stand and watch, um, I just think that, you know, the, the, the entire experience, you can always nitpick certain things with the Coliseum when they finished the renovation there and the team came back. I think there were fans had an expectation of, oh, it was $160 million. The whole thing's going to be different. And really, it wasn't that different. They couldn't widen the concourse. You still had the, the million mile lines for the bathrooms between periods, all of the little things that, that aggravate everybody. But I think also kind of they felt a little nostalgic for uh, all that stuff's going to be gone. It's going to be so new and so nice and just unpre- like you use the word people use the word unprecedented a lot this is unprecedented for islander fans they've never had a building this nice they're gonna have the nicest building in the league and i don't know if they're gonna know what to do themselves when they do 
Well, and it is interesting having been to not, I have not been to every building in the league, but I've been to a bunch of them. And I remember covering a game in Detroit a year or two ago and, and the little Caesars arena is beautiful, but there is an entire sort of um, world just on the concourse, right. Of bars and shops and thing, movie theaters, I think like all this stuff to do. And of course the Red Wings have not been very good the last couple of years. So everybody hangs out out there. So it may be a sellout, but nobody's in the seats. And that always concerns me when you have, you know, something that's pulling you away a little different for Islanders fans because the Islanders are good and they're, you know, really into it. Maybe. I mean, I'm not trying to rub on the Detroit fans at all. Um, but I think that that's your point. You have a little end where you can stand, you know, socialize, have drinks or whatever it is and still watch the game is, is a different feel to it. Um, and, you know, I have not had a tour just based on the fact that I live in Boston and every time our MSG team had a tour, I was not there. Uh, it was day off. So I was home. But I did um, during the 2019 playoff run. I actually went to game seven of that, the final in Boston with John Ledecky and Scott Malkin. And they were they were really interested in every building. You know, we were in Boston at the time looking at everything and standing in line for beers and standing in lines for the bathroom and all these things. They were looking at it so uh, analytically. And I thought it was really impressive, very hands on owners trying to figure out. I know that that's, you know, that's their business. That's what they do. Um, but I just, I was, I, the attention to detail at that point I thought was, um, was noticeable and very impressive. And it made me, and that was two years ago, um, that, that, that I knew this building was going to be tremendously special. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we covered uh, what happened last week, and now uh, I think a lot of fans have already turned their attention to what's going to happen, because it's going to be a short offseason, as we pointed out early on, uh, a rarity usually in, in Islanders' history, recent history, but not so much that immediate recently. And also we've got uh, the expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken coming up. Um, I think the draft is in three weeks, a little bit more than three weeks. The expansion lists have to be in in about 19 days, I think, so... Um, not a lot of time to to sort of reminisce about the Coliseum or bask in the glow of another decent uh, playoff run that just fell short. Um, and the Islanders have a lot to work on this offseason. And I know, AJ, that's uh, spending time on cat friendly is not your bag, but uh, we're going to have to break it down anyway. So um, as far as the Islanders go, uh, there's three big restricted free agents, Anthony Beauvillier, Adam Pellick, Ilya Sorokin. All of them are going to get pretty sizable raises. Lou Lamarillo said today he doesn't have any plans about letting any of those three guys go. And I think in answering the question that I'd asked him about that when I referenced Devon Taves, which was a trade that he did not want to make, that he felt he had to make because of the return and because of the cap crunch last offseason, he did say, you know, he did sound like a person who did not want to be doing that again, did not want to be giving up a good young player for nothing because of uh, the cap situation that they that they'd put themselves in. So I don't. You you try to take Lou at his word. You never know what can happen. But uh, you would guess that those three younger players, who all played pretty important roles in the postseason and in the regular season, and I and I think we kind of didn't get into specifics. But Adam Pellick to me 
is now a bona fide top pair defenseman in this league. And I don't think anybody can dispute that the way that he's played the last two postseasons. So those are the three restricted free agents, the main ones. They have some pretty big unrestricted free agents. And as Lou pointed out today, they have a little bit of time to deal with those. Casey Sezikis is one. Kyle Palmieri is the other. Travis Zajac is also one. Um, the two guys they got at the trade deadline and Casey Sezikis, who's been an Islander for a long, long time. Um, he wants to sign at least Palmieri and Sezikis. Doesn't know if that's going to happen. I think he said next to impossible to bring everybody back. But I think, AJ, if, you, if you're looking at this team and the guys, let's say the unrestricted free agents, the pending UFAs, is there a guy to you that you say, if the Islanders are going to be the Islanders again, they have to have this guy back? Well, I mean, it's it's it seems easy to say this, but I do think Casey Sezikis is critical to this team, and um, it's not it, it's a it's a I guess it's not necessarily easy only because he's a fourth line center, so it seems crazy. But within the world of the Islanders, I don't think Islanders fans would be surprised to hear me say that. Um, and yeah, did, did he, does he fall, did he fall off a little bit this year? Maybe, uh, he was injured last year. So how much of that was in there, but that, that fourth line is so important to the team. Um, and it's not just on the ice it's in the locker room and you and I were not allowed in the room this year because of COVID, but we could even see it. And 99% of their value happens when we don't see it, right. It's even beyond. So, I um, I think he is really critical. Um, I did think Paul Mary was a great fit, and I think especially down the playoff run, uh, I thought he was great. I, and and more important than Zajac for sure, um, just in terms of what he offers, what he brings. Uh, I think he did try to fill in some of what Anders Lee offered, and, and the lineup was missing. So if Lee is back, um, you know, I think that that's. Um, I don't want to minimize what Paul Mary brought because it was great. And he, he was a good fit personality wise in the room and on the ice. But, you know, if you're talking about the, well, those three that you just mentioned, I think it's Casey Sezikis. Um, if in my, that's my opinion, I don't know. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for what the Islanders do day in and day out, Casey Sezikis is, is obviously pretty important. And, um, you know, I think, as Lou pointed out, they you know flexibility is kind of a weird word to use because um, they don't have a lot. And Casey Sezikis being an unrestricted free agent kind of means that um, you know they they don't have to worry about him with the expansion draft. Seattle could necessarily, if they leave him unprotected, Seattle could take him and then negotiate with him. But if he says I'm going back to the Islanders, then they've wasted their pick. Um, he could also get to unrestricted free agency and talk to a bunch of other teams. And you have to think a guy who plays like that. In, in a successful system like that, there's going to be a lot of teams that don't have that that depth center who can kill penalties and brings a, you know, has the high motor motor that, that Casey has. Uh, you know, I think I wrote about it the other day that you could just name half a dozen teams off the top of your head that are playoff teams that didn't get as far as they like. Toronto could use them. Edmonton could use them. Minnesota could use them. And a couple of those teams have pretty decent sized cap space to, to make a, a, a pretty big offer. So, I think if Casey Sezikis is their priority among the unrestricted free agents, it makes a lot of sense to keep that line together, to be better than they are as individuals. Um, you wonder what would happen to Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck if Sezikis left, who would fill that spot? Um, it could be Travis Zajac, I guess, on a, on a one-year deal as a veteran guy who at least has been around the team. It could be a young guy like Otto Koivula, uh, who maybe is ready to take that next step. So, it, but 
you don't want to have to worry about it. You know, if there's if there's a line that uh, first Jack Capuano when he put them together, and then uh, Barry Trotz has never had to worry about changing or wor- or concerning it's it's that identity line. So um, if you can get Sezikis back, you know, and thinking about numbers, he's coming off a deal that paid him three point three five per year. Um, you could see a situation where he takes a Matt Martin type deal where he takes a little bit less. In terms of in in terms of average value, uh, and gets a couple more years than you would think a thirty year old year old guy would get. Uh, I was exchanging texts with with an executive from another team today, and we both kind of hit on six years at say two point five per, which is a is a weirdly shaped contract, but makes a lot of sense in this context of a flat cap and a lot of and big escrow charges coming in the next couple of years, where you can backload it salary wise. And it gives Casey Zizekas uh, a little bit of job security as he ages and, and he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body from the playing the way that he plays. So that makes sense. The Islanders also want Kyle Palmieri back, or at least in theory they do. Kyle Palmieri has said he wants to come back. He's a guy from Long Island. Um, can he come back? Probably only if they let somebody else go up front, like a Jordan Everly, like a Josh Bailey. Um, there really doesn't seem to be uh, an ability to structure their cap where Kyle Palmieri at somewhere between four and four or four and a half, five, five and a half million dollars per year fits as their third line right wing. So a um, lot less likely to me than Sezikis, who is a guy who probably doesn't want to go anywhere. And if he doesn't want to go anywhere, then you can make it work. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, that they'd love to keep everybody, but as Lou said, it seems pretty impossible. Um, and Sezikis is probably your, your, bigger priority just to keep doing what you're doing um on the you know i think a guy that uh that maybe i didn't assume was going to be back in the mix who talked about wanting to come back is andy green who said he wants to play he's going to be 39 in october uh he played all, every game but one and that was a, a rest game after they clinched a playoff spot uh he fit very well as the third pair uh left defenseman with with noah dobson and and played on the penalty kill a bit do you feel like on defense you were talking about they need a little bit more spark maybe offensively? Andy Green does not give that, but he is certainly very capable and reliable. Do you feel like a reunion with him is the way to go without maybe exploring some other options? Yeah, that's a good question because I think that um, Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are big on the the, the room and the con- the team concept and bringing in guys that fit the overall mold of what they're trying to build here. Right. And are puzzle pieces um, that, that, that jive with everybody. And that's what, when Pajot came in, right. To a year and a half ago. And then of course with Palmieri and Zajac, and that was a big deal for them. Um, and I think that somebody like Andy Green does fit very, very well. Um, he doesn't offer the, the dynamic defense, the offensive side of it. Uh, now who knows, does Pollock get a handle on that one timer and does he start bear, you know, firing up some goals next year? Like we know he's capable of, and he just didn't do this uh, regular season. Um, does Pollock jump in the play a little bit more? Who knows what, you know, everybody else, Letty. So there's, there's other guys that can jump up. I don't think Andy Green would ever be expected to do that. I would imagine that they probably explore other options. Um, but at the same time, I think they're pretty loyal and they know what Andy Green has brought them. And, and the fact that his life, his family is, well, stayed in New Jersey, but in, from this area, from that area. Um, so I, that that will be an interesting one for me to see, because I think that they really liked him. They liked what he, his mentorship of a young player like Noah Dobson was. You can't quantify that. You, that That's not on paper 
in the negotiations necessarily, but to me, it's very, very valuable. So um, I would love to see Andy Green back, but at the same time, I think that they will probably just see what else is out there and, and, and try to explore what their uh, defensive line will look like next year. Yeah. You know, trust is always the biggest word with, with Barry, right? That, that if he trusts you, you're in and it's hard to, it's hard to, get kicked out of that club, the trust club with, with Barry Trot. So I, I imagine that if, again, you know, you have a, a situation where Andy Green wants to come back, you feel like he can handle himself physically through the, the grind of an 82-game season, maybe you kind of set it and forget it, and you have him in there for not a lot of money. Although I have to point out that uh, the deal that he signed last year, which had which was for one year and $2.7 million, $2 million of that was performance bonuses because he's over 35. He earned them. They were all games played bonuses. He earned them very quickly last season because he was healthy all the way through. Uh, and because the Islanders used long-term injured reserve to get under the cap last season, that $2 million bonus hit comes onto next season's cap automatically. So whether Andy Green was here or not for 21-22, it's like he'd be here because his contract is going to cost them $2 million in cap space. So maybe it's better to just keep him from the league minimum on top of that because you at least get something out of it. But there are a lot of veteran left-handed defensemen that are going to hit the open market. And to me, uh, there's one in particular who has some ties to the Islanders a long time ago, who I think you'd want to explore in that third left-handed deep pair spot. And that's Zdeno Chara. I don't know what his situation is. I don't think he's even decided what he wants to do next season, but he looked pretty good playing for Washington and he, he handled himself pretty well there. Uh, not the major minutes that you used to seeing him play, but, um, I would kind of be interested to inquire about what it would, you know, whether he wanted to continue on at age 44 and whether he'd be interested in, in going back to the island where he started many, many years ago. Um, so I think that, you know, it's probably simpler for Lou Lamarillo and for Barry Trotz to say, if Andy Green wants to come back and we think he can still handle himself, we'll have him back. The complicating factor of that is, and we're going to get into this more when we reconvene before the expansion draft is... When it comes to the expansion draft, in all likelihood, the Islanders will only be able to protect three defensemen. Adam Pellick is a no-brainer. Ryan Pollock is a no-brainer. Then you get to the choice between Nick Letty. Uh, Noah Dobson is exempt, in case you were wondering. Um, not you, AJ. I know you know that. But anybody <laughs> listening, course. Noah Dobson is exempt. So it's the choice between Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield. And Nick Letty led the D in scoring this year um, in the regular season. You know, Had some ups and downs defensively, but, but I think put his game back together pretty well from a, from a so-so 1920 season. Um, but Scott Mayfield, goodness, uh, he took as big a step forward in the playoffs, I think as anybody on this roster and, uh, the playing the way that he played, having the contract that he has for, I believe two more seasons at 1.45 million per, which is a bargain for a guy who plays the way he plays. Nick Letty has one year left at uh, 5.5. Um, so that's going to be a difficult choice, or they leave one of those guys exposed and Lou Lamoureux makes a side deal with Ron Francis in Seattle to get them to not take those guys, and then they can keep their top four. However, that means you don't have a lot of money left over for anything else. So there's all these kinds of decisions to come, um, and if they do decide to leave Nick Letty exposed and he does get picked by Seattle, then you've got an even bigger hole on the left side than just worrying about whether Andy Green comes back. So um, it's... Uh, it's it's a lot of moving parts. We're just getting started with it all, and uh, I think basically what I'm saying is, AJ, you, you need to study up if we're gonna if we're gonna have real <laughs> conversations. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it's oh, it, it's man. just a hard. It's such a hard thing to figure out, and 
and the permutations of if you do this, the next twenty six moves could be affected. It's um, it's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, detail work by Lou Lamarillo and his staff uh, in the next few weeks. Well, and I think that he's up for the challenge. I mean, I, I you, it's been so impressive to see how he operates. Um, and I did, you know, that I read that he has said he's going to continue in his roles as long as his health is good, which it seems to be, knock on wood. And he seems to be cruising right along and and loving what he does and doing a good job of it. Not loving what we, our job and how we do our job, but that's all right. That's uh, that's a different story. He's never been never been a huge fan of the media, but it's just become part of his shtick. So it's it's sort of funny. Um, but you know, he's, he, the, to be a good GM, you have to love all that nuance. You have to love that thinking 26 steps ahead. And if this happens X, Y, Z on and on and on happens, um, that's, and that's of course why they get paid the big bucks to try to figure all that stuff out. It is fascinating just based on, you know, the way they did the expansion draft with the golden Knights a couple of years ago, the way they're doing it now, you know, just a couple of years later, watching the way George McPhee went through that. Um, Ron Francis has there's sort of a playbook now, right? That he can fall back on what worked, what didn't work. Obviously, it worked very well for them. Year one, they go to the Stanley Cup final in Vegas. Um, but it is, you know, trying to figure out whether whether they would be interested in a Letty or a Mayfield, right? I mean, Lou tries to read their minds. What who would they want? And and does performance during the regular season is it equal to performance in the postseason? I mean, that's something that GMs have to figure out too. Play, you know, regular season gets you to the playoffs, but that clutch performance to me, performance in the playoff is should be weighted heavier. So the fact that Scott Mayfield maybe struggled early on in the regular season and then sort of balanced out and then just took off in the postseason, that says a lot about him. And I so to me, that is more important and something to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I I I don't. I don't envy the GMs, but I guess I do because they love it and it's what they're good at. And this is the time of year that they really have to get to work in the nitty gritty. So I can't wait to see what he does. Well, when we find out some things in a couple of weeks, I think we'll probably reconvene here to talk about them and, and lead it right into the expansion draft, the amateur draft. The Islanders don't have a first round pick again, so it might not be quite as compelling. And then right after that is free agency. Uh, and who knows what happens beyond that? The Islanders are going to have to move some bodies and some money around to make to try to keep their core intact. And uh, we'll be here to talk about it with MSG and now ESPN's own AJ Maletsko. So AJ, again, thank you for a great first season. It was uh, certainly a memorable ride for us on the podcast and for the Islanders to be talking about them. So uh, I think you're the good luck charm to keep coming back and 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 keep seeing what the Islanders are going to do. Oh, I'll take it. I had nothing to do with it, but I'm as superstitious as they come, so I'll take credit. Thanks for having me. Always fun. And to everybody else, thank you for listening. What a great season. Uh, A lot to talk about. There's still going to be a lot more to talk and write about. Uh, So if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash Belmont for our latest deal. Thank you again for listening. Uh, This is the end of the 2021 season, but now the real season will begin with the expansion draft in a couple weeks. Thanks again. Tune in soon.